0: So I'm going to start at Romans chapter 12 and um, read the first five verses. Obviously, if you have children, they are dismissed to go downstairs at this time, up through grade four, I believe. Open your Bible to Romans chapter 12, and I will use this as the beginning of My message, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now I'm going to focus mainly on verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change is a topic this morning. Change me, Lord. I asked my wife to give me some help on the subject of change, and so on the Internet she found a few things dealing with change. And this one seemed appropriate. And this will be much in line with what the pastor commonly does as he begins. So listen. How many Calvinists does it take to change a light bulb? This is about changing a light bulb, by the way. How many Calvinists does it take to change a light bulb? None. God has predestined when the light will be on. Calvinists do not change light bulbs. They simply read the instructions and pray the light bulb will be the one that has been chosen to be changed. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? One to change the bulb, and nine to pray against the evil spirit of darkness. How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They always use candles. How many liberals does it take to change a light bulb? At least ten, as they need to hold a debate on whether or not the light bulb exists even if they can agree upon the existence of the light bulb, they still might not change it to keep from alienating those who might use other forms of light. How many neo-Orthodox does it take to change a bulb? No one knows. They cannot tell the difference between light and darkness. How many TV evangelists does it take to change a light bulb? One, but for the message of light to continue, please send in your donation money. Now, most importantly, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? We don't change. The title of this message is, Change Me, Lord. Now, it is obvious that change is inevitable. Um, There are going to be many things that come into the life, whether they be physical, whether they be mental, or whether they be spiritual. Change is necessary. In our life. And if we don't change physically, we become dwarfs. If we don't change mentally, we become retarded. If we don't change spiritually, we go backward. We're never sitting still in our life. And if we're not growing, and allowing God to change our life, we're going to be moving backward in our spiritual life. So this morning, I trust it is your desire to change and your prayer, change me, Lord. Well, the wonderful thing is, first of all, Roman number one, he has changed us. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and I think you know this verse probably by heart, at least you've heard it many times second corinthians 5 17 therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new god changed us when we got saved and i've given you about eight different areas here that scripture makes very clear that there has been a change when we put our trust in jesus christ and we're born again first of all We pass from darkness to light. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Secondly, God has changed us from blindness to sight. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And after the um, Pharisees and the Sadducees reject all of this, Jesus says to them, at the end of chapter 9, verse 39, for judgment, Jesus says, I have come into the world that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind then some of the pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him are we blind also jesus said to them if you are blind you would have no sin but now you say we see therefore your sin remains there's a wonderful change that god took place in our life when we were born again, we passed from darkness to light, from blindness to sight. Point C, we passed from death to life. If you still have John open, turn to John five twenty four. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. D, we changed from dead in sin to dead to sin. Romans 6, 2, Ephesians 5, 1. Let me start with the Ephesians passage. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Romans 6, we'll come back to Romans several times. Romans 6, let me read the first two verses. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? When God saved me, he took me from a life within sin, life controlled by sin, and now has made me dead to sin. E, and I was born again and if you're born again God caused us to pass from a slave of sin to a slave of righteousness in Romans chapter 6 verses 16 through 18 and these are strong words hear them carefully do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became what? Slaves of righteousness. God has changed us to such a degree that just as we easily sinned in the past, now we should so easily live a life of righteousness through the indwelling Holy Spirit. F, we passed from an old fallen, from being an old fallen man in Adam to a new restored man in Christ. Turn to the book of Colossians. And I trust you'll keep these verses handy for your life in uh, future days. But in Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, we were in Adam, we are now in Christ. Verse 9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. We have um, passed from that old fallen life of of being in Adam to this new life in Christ. To get through these quickly, Romans chapter 5. Back back in Romans again. But I think it is important to see all of these wonderful things that God has done when he saved us. We passed from enmity with God to reconciliation to God. Romans 5, verses 10 and 11. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And lastly, we have passed from insecurity to security. Romans chapter 8, the very first part of the first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. We went from insecurity to security. And John says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know what? that you have eternal life. What a wonderful change God has already done in our life. I was saved over 65 years ago, but I remember very well that Saturday night when I put my trust in Jesus Christ and I was wonderfully saved. When you see a person get saved who realizes all of these things have happened uh they're all excited (laughs) there's something new and different about their life and i remember even as a nine-year-old boy that i had passed from hopelessness to hope and abundant life and that sunday morning i went to my younger sister and said i was saved last night I was born again. I don't remember what exact words I said, but I know that it influenced her so much that she walked down that aisle Sunday morning and was saved. Well, she wasn't saved, but she went forward to get saved. When she was in her early 20s, I was working in a church down in Iowa, and she came down to visit me, and I spoke at a Youth for Christ rally on a Saturday night, and she came forward and receive Christ as her Lord and Savior. Um, What I want us to understand is simply this. God has wonderfully changed us when when he saved us. And if there's been no life, no change in your life, when you made a profession of faith, look carefully again at what has happened. If you've been truly born again, there has been a change. All of those changes that we just read But it doesn't stop there. Change me, Lord. And the wonderful thing is, God is still changing me. Now I'm old enough to know better, but God is still changing me. And he's probably changing, I trust, each of you who are truly born again. So point A, he is transforming us. Go back to Romans 12. I'm going to read verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the interesting thing is we get an English word that has been just a transliteration of the Greek word, metamorphosis. Well, the Greek word is metamorphosis, a little stronger, but it is the very... Same word, transliterated into English. And metamorphosis is, if you scientists can explain it, is the transformation it takes when a caterpillar walking across the ground develops a cocoon that that he is in. It's kind of part of his, my wife told me as as we were looking at this, that his outer shell uh, falls off and right underneath it is this, which now becomes that chrysalis that uh, forms the butterfly inside. This word, metaphorosis, um, is the word to describe what happens to a caterpillar when it becomes a beautiful butterfly. It is that same word that Paul uses here to describe the transformation that has taken place and is taking place in our life. Now that word metamorphosis is found only four times in the New Testament. Two of them, and I've given you the references here, are found in Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 9, which are describing one event, that event when Christ took Peter, James, and John and went upon a high mountain and was transformed before their very eyes so that he was as bright as a light. I mean, there was a radiance that they saw they had never seen before. And his clothes were as white as clothes that had just come from the laundromat or the cleaner. And uh, they were in awe. And then Moses and Elijah come and talk with Christ. And the disciples get so excited, they want to build three altars as if there are three great men well, obviously, they should have seen Jesus is different than Moses and Elijah. And God's God mo- caused Moses and Elijah to go away so they would keep their focus upon what Christ is and what he wants them to do. The other two passages are found in relation to us. One of them is Romans twelve two. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I want you to notice another passage. We'll look at one of these others. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the only other usage of this word, metamorphosis, in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 17. Uh, Let's see. I'm in the wrong book. Let me get there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God is doing this, God is doing this metamorphosis in our lives today. He is taking us who are like an ugly caterpillar. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't mind caterpillars. But right now, I don't let them become moths or butterflies. I let them go straight to wherever they go. Um... But there is this wonderful change that God is doing in our life. He's transforming us from that caterpillar to a beautiful, glorious butterfly. Now, you may think that's going to happen when you get to heaven, but right now, God is making that transformation in our life. And we may not look like a butterfly yet, but God is making that transformation and we are becoming a new person. So point two, we are being changed into Christ's image. Romans 12, 2 said, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Turn over to the back of this sheet. This work that God is doing in Your life, if you're born again, is called sanctification. And I've defined it for you. Sanctification is the ongoing work, this continuing work of the Holy Spirit within us in which our new nature at salvation. And I think the two key words are these last words. This new nature in, at salvation is strengthened and maintained. God's work of sanctifying us is taking this new life that he gave to us and strengthening it and maintaining it. How many of you own a car? Okay, you don't even need to raise your hand. I know there are a lot of them. I can't see them, but I know they're here. Um, you can't just buy a car and do nothing to it other than put gas in it. You have to maintain it. And if you have a used car, you have to maintain it even more. The same thing is true in our Christian life. God has put his Holy Spirit within us to strengthen this transformation that God has made and maintaining it so that it stays strong and is progressing toward Godliness in our life. Change me, Lord. And hallelujah, He is doing that. Now, He might have to work harder on us at times, but He is continually working on us through the indwelling Holy Spirit to make us all that we were not when we were unsaved. Point D in the outline. So what is our part in this continuing change? Well, Romans 12, 2 said, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So God is doing this work within us. He is renewing our mind. He's changing our thinking. And you're thoughts about life and about your relationship to God and about everything that's in the Word of God, hopefully there is a growth and a better understanding throughout the Word of God of what God is doing and the things that God is changing in your life. I've given you here quite a few passages. Let me read just a few of these that show this change of mind, this change of heart this working of the Spirit of God within us today that is changing us. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man, what we were before we were saved, was crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. When I was born again, I died to my old self, my old man, what I was in Adam. And God has been doing a work in my life and he's had to do a lot of work over a lot of years to bring about growth or this sanctification that God desires in our life. Look at verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead, indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is a mental thing as well as a spiritual thing. This is us reckoning these things to be so and then living in harmony with what we know. Look at um, 2 Corinthians Again, I had you look at Second Corinthians three, look at Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. Even though we may not see the growth that we want and maybe even recognize the growth that the Holy Spirit is doing in our life, there is a change that is taking place. God is sanctifying us. So my prayer, and I trust your prayer, is change me, Lord. It would seem like God could could get awful disappointed with the little growth that he sees in our life. But God is constantly and continuously working in us and on us and through us. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 3, I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. God has made this change in my life. I need to live in harmony and therefore put off lying to one another and being deceptive with one another. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, let me just read it. It says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what are the two areas of growth? Grow in this grace that God has shown toward us in our life and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we don't know Jesus Christ better today than we did Sometime in the recent past, we are not growing. And part of God's sanctifying work is to cause us to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I've left two blanks here. Sancti- it's going to be a definition of sanctification, sort of. Sanctification is our growing in our knowledge and likeness of Jesus Christ. After being saved over 60 years, I should have grown a long way from what I was 50 years ago and 40 years ago and 30 years, 20 years ago. I should be growing in my knowledge of Jesus Christ and I should be growing in that I become more like Christ in my thoughts and in my deeds. And the wonderful third point is three. God will change us completely. What do we call this complete change? In the future, glorification. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read several of the verses here. First of all, verse 18. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the renewing of the sons of God. Paul is saying here that even creation around us and all the creatures that are part of it are waiting for that day when God glorifies his people and with it all of creation. That day will come. What a glorious day. Look at verse twenty-three and twenty-four. And not only this, but we we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grow within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. See, when you got saved, your body didn't change, your spirit did. Your mind did, your heart did, but not your body. You still have that same old body. But the day is coming, our glorification day, when this body will also be under the full control of God and it will be a glorious body. Verse 24, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what... Uh, For why does one still hope for what he sees? But that day is coming when we will no longer hope for it will become reality, our glorification. Look also at verse 30. Moreover, whom he, God, predestinated, he also called, whom he called, these he also justified. and whom he justified, these he also what? Glorified. And that day is certain. And then that work of the Holy Spirit, a sanctification, will have completed that wonderful work of changing us. The goal of sanctification is what will happen in glorification. Let's look at the Philippians passage as well. Turn to Philippians. Ephesians, Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will what? Complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 3, verse 12 in this book. Philippians three twelve, Not, Paul says, that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So Paul is talking here about the sanctification. He is pursuing until that day of glorification. And lastly, look at verse 21. Who will transform... Now, by the way, this is a different Greek word, but it's the same basic idea. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Can you imagine what Jesus looked like to his disciples as he appeared in the room where they were and then left in the same way. Well, someday I'm going to have a body like that, and I'm going to come visit you, without going through your front door, and I'll leave without going through your back door. You know, we will be like Christ, and have the same kind of glorified body that He has. What a wonderful hope, and delight! So, in conclusion, I think it's important for us to realize the changes that God has made in our life. But I want you to look around you and recognize that God has made the same changes in their lives. Now, we may not always live according to this wonderful work that God is doing within us, but he is sanctifying us. And we need to recognize that about everyone who is around us, every family member that is born again, every neighbor that is born again. They may not be perfect, and they're not. And you're not perfect either, nor am I. So my prayer this morning is, change me, Lord. And your prayer needs to be the same thing. And I need to recognize that I have the same problem that you have. I'm not there yet. And I need to recognize you're not there yet. And acknowledge that fact. That God isn't finished with me yet. And he's not finished with you yet either. So I need to keep working. And I'll keep teaching. And when I have opportunity, I'll keep preaching this change that God is still working in you and in me. So change me, Lord. I preached this sermon in 1901. And we set a theme for that year at this church. That theme was, change me, Lord. And we had the people write on a little card and put in a sealed envelope one change they wanted God to do in their life that year. So I want you to take a mental card and write on it with an invisible pen what you want God to do in your life in the next, let's say, 13 months, we'll include December along with all of 2017, of what God wants to do in your life and one area in your life where you will let him do that work. Now, don't tell me there's nothing wrong with your life, but there must be at least one area where you can grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm never going to see this. No one else is ever going to see this except you because it's written in your mind. This is a change I want God to do in my life. Now, if you look at the sheet, point A, but we must work at it. Paul says in Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what I'm talking about today. To do these things that will cause us to grow in our Christian life. Point one under that. Without work, our movement is backward. If we're not growing in grace and knowledge of Christ, we're not just sitting idle we're sliding back in our Christian life. Point two, note the vulnerable points in our lives. When are we most vulnerable? I don't have many college students here today, but if you are that age, probably leaving home is one of these times when Teenagers need to make some vows and promises to um, let God control their life. And you know the life of a child? Your mom and dad tell you what you have to do. But now you're on your own. And you will do what you will do. So I'm saying, commit in your life to the Lord, for the Lord to change you or you will move backward. If you join the military, I'm sure that's another situation. If you just go to work and you're around certain, many, many unsaved and ungodly people, that is certainly a vulnerable time as well. When you get married, I think is another time where that change is very important. When we get caught up with some event in our life, You know, maybe your profession, maybe your work, maybe sports. When trouble comes into our life, and I speak more as an older person, then they concern mainly our health or our mind. But um, there are going to be times when we are vulnerable and uh, we need God controlling our situation. So work regarding no one's sin. If there's a sin in your life, in doing marriage counseling, along with my wife over the years, uh, we have heard and been told, you know, there are a lot of things that are going to destroy a marriage unless they're dealt with and conquered. So I encourage all of you to take a careful look at your life and say to the Lord today, Change me, Lord, in this one area. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not finished with us, but you, through your Holy Spirit, are working on us. So, Lord, I pray that your convicting work might be strong now in every one of our lives, starting with me, but with everyone else. The face, sin, weakness, failure in our lives. And Lord, change me. May we collectively, Make that our prayer today. Change me, Lord. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and no one is looking, as you look at your own heart, your own life, your own thinking, are you willing to say to the Lord today, there is one thing that I'm going to ask God to change in my life, and I'm going to pursue this because the Spirit of God has convicted me and I wish to get victory in that area. Would you confirm that by simply raising your hand as an act, saying I'm serious about this and want to deal with this item in my life? Raise it now. Yes, I see many hands. I have no idea what these areas are, and I am not going to try to guess. I just have to look at my own life and raise my own hand and say, Lord, change me. Lord, I pray that you will bless everyone who has taken that step mentally and spiritually and give them, through the power of your indwelling spirit, victory in that area of their life. May they know and sense your grace and power in their lives right now. And may they know the joy and delight of that willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. We thank you, Lord, for your help in time of need. And we do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.